Welcome to Amago, Season 1, Episode 5, Miracles or Wounds. I'm your host, Vanessa Brown. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. It was wonderful being with family this past week. The holiday is always a good time to share memories and reflect on the past. I loved when my brothers and my sisters and I were together and we were reflecting on, on the past and sharing memories of my father with my nieces and my nephews who died while uh, my, excuse me, sharing memories about my father with my nieces and nephews. My father died while they were relatively young. Um, and between all of us, we were able to paint a full picture of my father for them. And as this was happening, it helped me to understand why the Amago theory um, is important. We haven't really talked about the Amago theory yet on the podcast, so I thought that this would be an appropriate time to do that. The Imago theory is a theory uh, that talks about or says that we generally have this idealized image or place in our head about or memories in our head about our childhood, about relationships. And we keep those memories um, idealized in our minds, even as adults. We don't change those thoughts, those memories, those idealized images, good or bad. And they impact our relationships with everybody else. So... What I loved about um, the holidays and, and sharing memories of my father with my nieces and my nephews and my cousins was each of us had an opportunity to share our perspective of my father with them. And when one person's memory might have not been exact, the other person was able to chime in and make sure that the, the picture was fully painted. But when it came to my father, all of our memories kind of like jived together. So it was a full picture. There was, there was no, no, that didn't happen, that didn't happen. No, everything was pretty much the same. For example, everybody's memory of my father making us pick up paper from around the yard. <laughs> Um, was the same. There, there was no mistake that if my dad saw a piece of paper on the ground and you walked past it, he would tell you or ask you, you didn't see that piece of paper. <laughs> and we would know that that meant go pick it up and put it in the trash can. So as a parent, I now realize the importance of the theory of Amago 
See, not only is Omega a stage of development, which refers to a fully formed adult, but it's a relationship theory, uh, a theory of this unconscious, idealized concept of familiar love that an individual develops during childhood. So stick with me. This theory, this concept remains unchanged, and that's an important piece for us that we're going to be talking about this today. So this concept of familiar love remains unchanged. So as an example, again, while I was with my nieces and nephews and my family um, during the holidays, my nieces and my nephew were able to help me when my, when my children had a memory from their childhood and I really couldn't remember everything exactly because, you know, being a parent, a lot happens, right? We don't remember everything. But when my children remembered something and I, I didn't remember it, my nieces or my nephew would say, no, that's not exactly how it was. So they were able to correct or add their perspective, which helped me because my children's memory might have been a little skewed. And so it's amazing how unconsciously sometimes we record inaccurate accounts from our childhood. And those inaccurate accounts can remain with us through adulthood. And this ultimately ends up impacting our relationships, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. This made me think about my relationship with Christ from the beginning up until this present moment. I started thinking about what attracted me to Jesus. What made me drawn to him? Was I drawn to him because of the miraculous things that he did? Was I drawn to him because um, of his power and his authority? Was I, was I drawn to Jesus because of his leadership? Was I drawn to Jesus because I liked the way he handled the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Was I drawn to Jesus because of his wounds? So while there is no right or wrong answer to this question, I think each of us need to take some time and ask ourselves, like, what was our initial attraction to Jesus? Because I think, honestly, it tells us something about ourselves. And it tells us something about maybe our relationships um, from childhood and, and from the past. Like, what was it that made us attracted to Jesus? What was the initial attraction 
I think it's something that we need to be keenly aware of as it relates to the Omega theory. Now, Jesus doesn't have an issue with whatever drew us to him. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, God declares that he has drawn us with loving kindness. So I don't want you to get caught up on any of that. God says, with loving kindness have I drawn you. So whatever attracted you to Jesus, he did it on purpose. That's all a part of God's plan. However, the Omega theory considers that our relationship with others are impacted by our unconscious, idealized concept of familiar love that started in childhood and hasn't really changed up until this present moment. So, if my relationship with my father was a dysfunctional relationship, it may be pretty difficult for me to actualize a true father-child relationship with God. If I grew up having mm, really hard relationships with my brothers and my sisters, you know, a lot of sibling rivalry, then I might have a pretty difficult time actualizing my true relationship with Jesus as my brother who is a king, right? Is this making sense? So people who have been abused by people who told them that they loved them might find it difficult to actually love others or even believe that they deserve the kind of love that we're talking about, that God is talking about, the kind of love that Christ is offering us. So there are several key points in Jesus's ministry that we can find examples of this. For instance, there um, are, are key times in Jesus's ministry where he was depending on people to lead others to the Father. But the very people that he was depending on seemed to be stuck at the miracles or at the wounds. So follow me. As a part of his ministry, Jesus often recognized and ministered to the physical conditions of the people around him. Many of the people were attracted to him um, 
and because of this, the crowds, you know, grew, right? So once they came to see him for the physical benefit, let's say the healings or um, to eat um, or to be delivered, they, they, would, they would benefit from it. And so the crowds grew and grew. So in one particular time in, um, they would benefit, he would feed them and then they would get the spiritual nourishment. So one particular time in the book of Matthew chapter 14, 13 through 21, we find an account where the disciples, they are in almost in this state of panic. They are going like, um, okay, Jesus, like <laughs> this is a pretty big crowd. And um, where we are right now, there is no place to really get anything to feed all of these people. So um, we need to tell them to go away. Uh, in verse 16, Jesus says, uh, no, they don't need to go away. You need to get them something to eat. And I think, yeah. And so in another account, I, I, get, so, I get excited sometimes, y'all, when I'm studying, so y'all have to forgive me. In another account, um, I think it's in the book of John, he, Jesus actually tells Philip, Jesus says to Philip, directly he's just not talking to all the disciples he pointedly says to philip hey philip where can we buy bread for all these people so i'm like now imagine now that you're philip now he's not just asking all 12 of them now jesus is pointing you out hey vanessa um how are we gonna solve this problem um uh, jesus i know i've been with you for a little minute but I, I don't, I don't know how we're going to feed all these people. There's, there are no stores around. There's no farmers. I don't, I don't know how to solve this problem. So, um, I'm, I'm stuck here. In both of these instances, even though these men have been following Jesus, they're not people in the crowd. These are the guys that have been close to him. They have not yet had a true revelation of who Christ is. I don't think previously I had really ever considered that point. And last week we talked about Thomas wanting to see the nail prints and the hole in his side before he would believe that Christ was resurrected. And even though they had seen him heal sick people, um, feed multitudes, raise the dead, there was still unbelief. Now, I thought this was phenomenal because I also heard this last week, so I'm, I'm getting all of this revelation now, right? Uh, but I heard someone say last week that there is a difference between doubt and unbelief. And I, I feel like for some of us, I hate using the word feel, by the way, but there's a difference between doubt 
and unbelief. And for many of us, it's like where we are. It's where the disciples were. It's where Philip was and the disciples where Jesus told them, um, no, don't send them away. Y'all find them something to eat because I, I'm with you. Jesus is right there with you. We've seen him work. We've seen the miracles. We've seen him heal people and raise the dead. So he's right there. I don't doubt you, Jesus. There's no doubt. I've seen you do it. So there is no doubt. I know you can because I've seen it. But unbelief is, will you do it for me? Unbelief is, can I? Can, can I do it? And, and that's where he was with Philip. That's why he asked Philip the question. Because Philip, you're not doubting that I can do it. You know I can do it. But Philip, can you do it? So he put the ball in, in their court, basically. You don't have to send them away. You feed them. Philip, how are we going to feed these people? And for me, that's where a lot of us are, including myself, is at this point of, it's not that I, I don't have any doubt. There is no doubt about you. But where are we with unbelief? And that is based on our theory, the Imago theory. It's based on our relationship, our past relationships up until this present time because we have not yet changed what we have seen or known. But I believe that God is now calling for us to shift, again, transform our thinking. So stay with me just a little while longer. Unbelief is God, I know you can do it. I just can't believe you would do it for me. This is based on Imago theory. It is based on some idealized concept, again, of familial love you developed during childhood that has remained unchanged. This, however, is not the love of God. Again, I want to say that so it sinks in what God is trying to say to us right now. The Imago theory is based on some idealized concept of familiar love, right? What happened to you as a child, what you thought, believed, that you developed during childhood. And I'm applying that to our relationship, what we thought we knew about God, our idealized knowledge of God from childhood. It's in our head, it's in a box. It's what we think we know about God. It has remained unchanged until now. 
This, however, is not the love of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that we are the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. What drew you and I initially may have something to do with our earthly relationships. We may have grown up in abusive homes. We may have been the firstborn child. We may have been the lastborn child. We may have been the only child. We may have had mother-daughter, not-so-good relationships, father-son, not-so-good relationships. Um, but the only thing that I can tell you is no one has had a perfect life. No one has had a perfect childhood. But it's about to be a new year. 2022 is getting ready to end. And it's time for us to let those things go. It's time to release them. Someone gave me a piece of wisdom a while back. I don't, I don't know. There are a lot of nuggets that are always dropped as we're walking this journey, right? Um, so I can't give credit to who or where I heard it. But it was that we have to understand that a lot of times as people are raising us, that sometimes, most times, they're doing the best they can with what they have. Sometimes they don't have capacity um, and they make mistakes. So we have to be able to acknowledge that and we have to be willing to forgive, right? Um, so if you were abused and you told somebody that you were abused and they didn't believe you or um, you were abused and you told somebody, but they didn't do anything. They stayed with the person that abused you. Sometimes it's capacity. Maybe they didn't have any place else to go. Maybe if they left your abuser, they didn't know how they were going to take care of you. So we have to understand. We have to be willing to forgive. We have to also give those people grace but another year is coming and so whatever concepts in your mind that has been there since childhood whatever imaginations whatever memories that may be right may be off kilter a little bit because you haven't had somebody to share with you that that's not exactly how it happened. You might 
need to let those things go now so that you can really see Christ. So that those things are no longer impeding you from truly seeing Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 6 says this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Your relationship with others are impacted by these unconscious, idealized concepts of familiar love that you have developed during childhood and remain unchanged. Today, our Amago is an idealized mental image of Jesus Christ, a stage in the development which refers to the fully formed adult one that has completed its transformation. Please share, like, subscribe, download the podcast. And write us a review if you are enjoying the Imago podcast. Please join us next Tuesday. And if there is a topic you'd like to hear, here on the podcast, please send me an email at imagohim at gmail.com. We look forward to having you join us next Tuesday. We shall be just like him. Mm -hmm.